0: this is the do you cash flow podcast the place to learn a variety of ways that everyday people like you cash flow with your hosts luke barber and kyle baliff if you enjoyed today's episode please subscribe and share it with someone you feel would benefit from it hello friends welcome back to do you cash flow we have a fabulous show for you today we're speaking today with mark drager who is a brand strategist, uh, a marketing genius, <laughs> and uh, I will take that. <laughs> That's
1: not in my bio, but I appreciate it's that.
0: not. I just added it because i've I've been I've been watching a lot of the things that Mark has been putting out for the last I don't know many years, and uh, he, he's a very very amazing content creator. Um, he is a, a brand strategist, as I mentioned. He teaches people to be courageous. He teaches them that there's, there's only one you and it takes courage to go all in on you. Uh, he teaches the courage to see 10x ahead of where you are now, uh, believing that you can make it happen. Courage is what we admire most from extraordinary people and brands and that's what you need and that is what he is here to talk with us today. Mark, thank you so much for taking time out of your uh, very busy schedule to be on our show today. <laughs>
1: Well, I appreciate it. I Thank you, Luke. Thank you, Kyle.
0: Absolutely. We're glad to have you on. So talk to us a little bit about uh, about your background. I mean, I gave a little bit about you, but not really how you got started and and uh, how you came to be where you're at today. Tell us that story.
1: Yeah. You know what? In, in many ways, it's a typical entrepreneurial journey. I, good. I, I love to, those kinds. <laughs> oh, good. Good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I went to film school of, of all things. Which is maybe not that typical, but when I graduated, I realized like, hey, the world was not waiting for Mark Drager to graduate. (laughs) Like, like I left, and I was like, I was like, okay, ladies and gentlemen, I'm uh, here. I'm here. I've arrived. Graduated. Where is the spot that's waiting for me? Uh, (laughs) And guess what? (laughs) No one was waiting for me to graduate. No one was knocking Uh, down your door, huh? (laughs) No, and so it's like it was like uh, like. It, it was like the ice, remember the ice bucket challenge that happened yes. a few years ago where everyone dumped ice water on top of them? Yeah. That's the reality of graduating. And suddenly I was like, oh, so I started interning in television and live television. And, um, I, I, I just hated the idea of freelancing, which would take me like 10 years of in, uh, uncertainty to finally maybe get a position somewhere. And so, uh, I started working at an internet marketing franchise. Okay. Uh, I was, I was 23, I guess at the time. Uh, I was in-house, we had we had 1500 offices in 90 countries and territories around the world and I was responsible for producing all of the educational franchise marketing development, uh, all of the video content, all, all of the everything other than advertising. I was responsible for for producing and this is back in the day. You know, I, I want to take our listeners back in time. <laughs> Do yes. a sound effect for the time machine? I'll, or, I'll find or...
0: one. I'll put it in here.
1: <laughs> okay, drop it in here. Now. <laughs> uh, anyway, so go back in time, 2006. Uh, you know, no, it's like Facebook was just starting to come out. And and the, the way it was pitched to me is like, it's like MySpace, but you could put photos on it. Okay. Um, and there was no Twitter. And YouTube still only had three-minute videos. Uh, mm-hmm. And Google hadn't even purchased YouTube yet. We mm. shot everything on tape. We shot everything oh, on these like video on these tapes, and the videos were mm-hmm. all very. Since 1999, this company has been doing blah 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 for blah, blah 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 blah, and and like it was just lots of that kind of stuff. Okay. And so I decided I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start <laughs> a company. I'm gonna quit my forty five thousand dollar year job. My wife and I had, had just gotten married. We had just had our first daughter. She was a week old. My wife was so young that. That she got pregnant during college, so um, she didn't have a job. I decided I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to start my own company, and I'm going to do what I do for this one company, but I'm going to just do it for a lot more, and somehow I'll make a lot more money. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, that was the pitch to my wife. It was like, hey, if if, <laughs> if I make forty five grand a year doing this for one company, and it takes all of my time, what if I did this for like ten companies? Imagine how much money we can make.
0: <laughs> right. If I could just split myself into ten people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, we can get into that early stages if you want, but the reason I say it's an entrepreneurial journey, much like many, many others is, um, I came very close to failing. I, I should have failed, but I just kept going. And then we learned a few things and we turned it around and I was able to, over the years, build it into a multi million dollar agency. And, uh, along the way, when you're, when you're running a company as an owner operator, you start to dabble in other things cause you get bored. Sure. And so I started podcasting many, many years ago, um, I've, I've been really active as part of entrepreneur groups um, and I'm a professional host. So I host live events, and I emcee events and panels and conversations and I create content, as you said. So, um, you know, it's, it's really just that itch to make things and build things and grow things that I think spurs on so many entrepreneurs It yes. also causes us to have that core thing that we do. Where yeah. when you're at the airport and customs says like, hey, you know, what do you do? You can write that main thing down. Mm-hmm. But then when someone else at a cocktail party asks you what you do, you don't know what to say because you do like a million different things, right?
0: So, so one thing that somebody told me a number of years ago or months ago, I mean, was uh, when, when people ask me what I do, right? Same thing, right? I'm like, well, I do this and I do this and I do this. And he goes, oh, he go, and I said, you know, I'm just kind of an entrepreneur. You know, I just kind of like to do lots of things. And he said, oh, you're one of those people that's willing to work 80 hours a week for yourself so you don't have to work 40 hours a week for somebody else. I was like, yeah, that's it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> that's entrepreneurship. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, tell me, yeah, no, so I want to delve into the uh, to the agency just, just a little bit more. So you've been doing that, you said, since 2006, you said, right, your own agency, correct? Yeah. Okay. And so as far as when you started doing your agency in the beginning, were you doing all of the same things uh, for your own agency that you were doing for the one before? Or did you add anything uh, to yeah, it? Yeah. Or did you take great, stuff away?
1: Great question. So the, the, the first thing I did was when I was working in-house, so I was making video content and it was me and I had one team member mm-hmm. and so we would shoot, we would plan stuff and we would shoot stuff and we would strategize and we would edit it and we would do it. We were responsible for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, not much like maybe a content creator or videographer would be called today. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so we were doing all of that stuff. I approached, so, so lesson number one that I took away from that time, I was there a year and a half at this company and I learned so much. I should have stayed longer, mm-hmm. but the reason why I, I say that is because, um, I worked in a department where I did not really have a direct report. Like I didn't have a boss that I reported up to. I didn't really have any peers, even though I was in the same department as all like 40 or 50 other people mm-hmm. because I did something that was so unique and so special. I wasn't on the marketing team. I wasn't on the training team. I didn't like really fit anywhere. And so they put me because I had all this expensive gear and equipment and stuff. They, they, they sat me in the executive part of the company because with legal, with myself, and then with all of the C-suite executives, we were in a secure area. So that way, anything I shot couldn't be accessed. There was like security issues around it. Oh, I see. Um, so it meant that I didn't sit with anyone of my peers, but it also meant that I sat around (laughs) all of the C-suite people and all of my (laughs) internal customers and clients were C-suite people. So all day, every day, I'm working with VPs and I'm working with the founder and I'm working with board members and I'm working with the CEO and the CFO and I'm, and, I I don't understand half the stuff they're talking about, (laughs) but I'm supposed to make videos about it. So I better learn this stuff. (laughs) Yeah. And so part part of the amazing thing about creating content is when you're creating content for other people, one, you have to understand what they're talking about. So you have to learn it. Yeah. Or ask them questions and they'll explain it to you. Uh, Then you shoot the stuff. Then you, when you edit the stuff, you have to pick what goes in and what goes out. And you're kind of going through school a second or third time. Yeah. And then you release it. And so, I approached the CEO and I basically said, hey, listen, it doesn't make sense for you to keep me on payroll. There's a whole bunch of business reasons why. And I, and I had kind of five or six business reasons why. I said, let me leave. Let me take the equipment and then outsource all the work that I'm doing to my new company that I'm starting. And he loved this idea. Like it got <laughs> me and my staff member off the books. Yeah, It brought some more structure and control to what we were doing. And they let me leave and then I was gonna like work off the equipment so I could start for no cost. Nice. Start for no cost with my very first customer. Yeah. And it was the it was the courage, it was the step I needed to be able to say, like, listen, I'm I'm going out and starting my own thing, but one day I'm now I'm now not working for you. The next day I'm working for myself, but guess what I'm working on? All of your work still. Mm-hmm that was the plan. It it didn't actually, it didn't go that way at all, but it was a really smart plan.
0: Uh, Well, I was, I was gonna, I was gonna say that. I was gonna say, man, if you're gonna start any kind of business, it, what a, what a great way to start is that, like you said, you didn't have really any upfront cost. You already had a client when you started, right? Like I, without digressing too much, I I read an article many years ago. I'm sure you've heard of Ryan Dice before, Ryan Mm -hmm. Dice from Digital Marketer. So, I read this article that Ryan Dice wrote about business cards and how he hates business cards. And, I, you know, the, the title of his article, you know, caught my eye, right? I'm like, why does he hate business cards? And, and basically his story turned out to be that when somebody when somebody decides they're going to go into business for themselves, they'll go out and get business cards. They'll get, you know, maybe a t-shirt or T-shirt. They'll get some pamphlets or whatever, some promotional material, media, whatever. And And then they'll go out and say, well, I'm in business now. And he said, well, I hate business cards for that reason, because they give you this false sense of you're in business. He's like, you're really not yeah. in business until you've exchanged money for your product or service, you know? And so that always kind of has stuck way, with me. I still
1: make that mistake today, though. You, oh, everybody does <laughs> We still. launch new products all the time. We do new things where I'm like, look at how busy we are. <laughs> look at look and, at and our and website. I, I look, at yeah. look at the balance sheet. And I'm just like, what? where's, oh yeah, we need revenue, right? Yeah, right. Oh, money, right? money? Revenue money? everything. We have to bring money with
0: this? Oh, right. <laughs> which is
1: which is why you need to cash flow.
0: <laughs> That's right. That's right. So that's why I say what what he, you know, speaking about what Mark did in, in his early years is was very smart was that he started he didn't just start his his um, his production company. Is that what you'd say it? was a production yeah. or was it more of a marketing yeah, company? A, okay.
1: No, video video production.
0: Yeah, okay. So he started his company by already having a paid client. So whatever happened from there that, you know, learn that lesson that that was a good thing that he did there. Right. But okay. So, so then what happened then? So, so that didn't go to plan. Did you lose, (laughs) did you end up like losing them three months later or something? And then you had no other customers?
1: No, it was, it was, it was both better and worse than that. Um, okay. So it was, it was better than that because, so, so here's what happened when I, when I told them that, that me leaving took me off the books and brought more structure to the work we were doing. Yeah. It's because when you work in house for a lot of people, you'll do lots of projects that never go ahead. They die halfway through. Um, oh. You know, you're working. You're busy working for franchise development, marketing, because sales is really important. Meanwhile, all the training stuff is waiting for you. Like, there's no real structure if unless there's an internal budget for shared resources, mm-hmm. which big companies do. There's no structure to what how you prioritize your work. I don't have the say whether I should do this VP's project or that VP's project and whether this VP is over budgeting like three weeks of my time versus that. Like I didn't have, no one was managing that. I see. So that was my pitch is like when I leave, guess what? I'm going to start quoting you and you guys are going to start getting quotes and you guys are going to start seeing how much money this stuff really costs. Right. Yeah, so that, that way right. they can kind of determine
0: what's more important. Is it more important that we spend ten grand to get these training videos yeah. done, or is it more important we yeah. spend ten grand on sales well, videos that are going to generate well, a million well, they dollars?
1: Decided they didn't need anything. Oh. <laughs> they were like, they were just like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, we don't. Yeah, you're right. We don't uh, need any of this. Way too much. We don't need. We don't need any anything at all. Like I, I launched like January, nothing. February, nothing. March, nothing. Oh my like,
0: god. And I'm like.
1: And we, I had projected project revenue with the CEO. And so I approached the CEO again and I'm like, we're like 10 weeks into this. And like, I'm quoting and quoting and quoting and nothing is going ahead. And he's just like, well, he felt bad. He's like, well, we, we did give you this one thing. I was like, yeah, but that's like $2,000. like, we, we expected like 40 grand in revenue by this point, right? right. Like, again, I started with the like, if I did this for 10 people, I'd be rich. Um, so oh he gosh. was very understanding and generous. He let me, he just forgave all of the equipment loans that I was supposed to be working off. Um, because at this point I wouldn't even have any work to do. Right. So I think it was like seven or $8,000 in, in like, um, in like a IOU sheet or whatever you call those. What are those letters that you write to people that they yeah. like recall on you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I had one of those letters. He just wrote it off and forgave it. Um, and then I realized, Oh, Oh, the safety net that I thought I had, the, the thing that I thought I was counting on those business cards that made me feel like I was busy. And then you're staring at your balance sheet and you realize you have no money. Like the, I spent a few months just like waiting and hoping and like I had this thing and I had this thing and I had this thing. And then when it doesn't pay off, you, you're you're then now I have a, a six month old daughter. I I have um, I have a line of credit I've been drawing on just to live a uh, twenty thousand dollar line of credit for my mom. Gosh. And we don't have a lot of revenue and I'm staring at like, oh, in five months we're going to run out of money and I don't know how to sell this. I don't know how to position this. I don't know how to market this. I don't have anyone in my network that I can sell it to. Um, dang, I'm screwed. <laughs> that was that was by May. I was like, I am in big trouble here. <laughs> oh no.
0: Wow. I, That's wow. a true
1: entrepreneurial
0: I, journey though. I gasp, but I've kind of been there. Like I, I, I feel his pain. I feel your pain. I really do. Uh, without going into it, but was that your turning point? Though That's what I was going to say, so what? So what? What did you do? So you weren't cash flowing. So so the question we always ask people who come onto our show, right, is, do you cash flow with what you're doing? Obviously, at that time, you were not. So what did you do no, to change it. <laughs> that?
1: <laughs> um, it was one of this. It was one of the uh, the the smartest things I could have done. I asked for help. I admitted to a few people that things were not going the way that I hoped they would go. Mm-hmm. I was be was willing to be honest with a few people and say, I'm running out of money. I thought we were going to have this. And the first person I asked for help was the CEO of that company when I said, hey, like this was supposed to go a certain way. And that was really hard for me. So, so picture, you know, again, a first time entrepreneur, like many of our listeners could be 23 years old at that age. I was a whiz kid. Yeah, Like Like everything I did, I could rock without really trying too hard, it seemed. And then suddenly it's like, wow, all of my family, all of my friends, everyone, I'm just like, I'm going to go quit my job and do this thing. And now it's like, oh, it's not going very well. And um, I don't really know what I'm doing. And like even now I'm kind of getting goosebumps saying that because it just, it just feels so uncomfortable to admit it. Yes. And yet I'm so glad that, that I learned that early on. Cause when I asked for help, guess what? Not only did people uh, kind of appreciate that or respect it, but but people wanted to help me. Mm. And I didn't think that I was deserving of help because I was the one who made this decision. I was the one who decided to step up. I was right. the one who thought I, that hard work would be enough. Like right. I'm going to work so hard. Nothing can stop me. And, guess what? Hard work is not enough. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's, And so someone suggested like, hey, this guy that you used to work with, and this was the next lesson, that almost all of life, no matter how much you work at it, comes through happenstance, connecting dots, your network, luck, you can call it whatever you want. I've, I've run a big multi-million dollar agency and, and done national campaigns with huge people. And guess what? Even at that level, it's still a luck and happenstance. It's like it's connecting these weird dots through someone who knows someone who knows someone. But someone I used to work with left the, the same company I left the month after I left to start a coaching business. And he said, I'll coach you. And I got a coach. And it seemed like a really big deal at the time. Uh, I, I had to pay them. I think the fee was something like $800 a month and ten percent, 10%, 10% of my revenue, I think it was. Okay. And this is for someone who's like losing money, losing money, no money. And I talked to my mom about That's it. And she's hard. like, well, if you, think, if you think they can help you, then why not? And these people help me so much. Nice. They, they like, like by, by within three to four months, um, I started making new connections. Uh, I, I started understanding my audience better. I started Packaging things, they came out on my first few sales calls with me. Telling my wife about this the other day, how bumpy and terrible I was, and I didn't know what I was doing. And they literally did the sales call with me, so I could watch them do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, by by the end, within within six months, we had gone from like not really being able to do anything to I think we generated by the end of our first year ninety eight thousand dollars in revenue in in the corporation. Yeah, I took home eighteen of that, but (sighs) um, but considering by May month five month six we hadn't had anything within six months, we went from kind of nothing, not really knowing what we're doing to around a hundred grand in revenue. Um, and, and that really, that, like that really turned things around for me from, yeah. from failing to suddenly being like, Oh, something. And I guess I can figure this out as we go.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, I, I totally, I totally know where you've been there. I mean, not to the same effect, but I know, I know that feeling of, kind of the rock bottom. Like you think you're this rock star, right? And you're like, yeah, I can do this. Yeah, I've done it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it, when it dries up or it's gone or it wasn't there to begin with, and you're like, oh, maybe I'm not such hot crap as I thought I was.
1: <laughs> yeah. And listen, I started my agency 2006. Do you, do you guys remember this thing that happened in 2008, 2009? I uh, sure do. Uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, So it's like, oh, then, then, you know, the great recession, I got to learn that lesson again. Oh my and then, and then 2012, 2013, um, you know, our, our, we, we built a whole, we became a multi million dollar company off of um, a lead generation strategy based on SEO techniques that were a little bit shady, but SEO techniques that Google just closed the door on. And on like, I don't know, it was May 20th or something, 2012, I think it was, they, they released a Google release uh-huh. that took us from like nine leads a day, like zero that was another turning point. And then in 2015, mm-hmm. 16, like, like every two or three years, I've been, um, <laughs> I've realized that as you mentioned, right around the time that I feel like I've got my, my feet on under this and I've got this all figured out and I am pretty awesome. Something happens that forces me to realize I don't really know what I'm doing <laughs> and I got to get serious again. So <laughs> I used to get upset about it. I used to beat uh-huh. myself up for it. Like, and, and then I've spoken to enough people I've made enough connections. I've talked to people who have grown like, you know, nine figure businesses and exited huge deals. And as it turns out, this is just what business is actually. This is what we signed up for. I just, right. I just, it took me, it took me a decade to realize that. And that's, I mean,
0: yeah, we, we talk about that on this. People probably get sick of hearing us say this, but that's, it's not something that's taught often uh, enough nowadays, uh, which is the concept of failing and that failing is an okay thing to do um, and that it happens and it's part of life and it doesn't mean you're a terrible person and it doesn't mean that you're, you know, you can never come back from it, right? It just means that things happen. Things change. Like, especially especially in technology and media, right? Like, things are constantly changing um, and and you've got to just expect that some, some of it is probably going to affect you if you're in this line of work, right? But... I mean, without having any any background or experience in any other fields, I mean, I know people who are engineers. I know people who are software developers. I mean, look at all of the um, software developers who, you know, they go to work for some big company and then, well, I mean, I'm thinking back to like. 2000s when like all the dot-com there was a bunch of dot-com businesses you know they just went out right and it's like all of a sudden software developers guess what nobody gives a crap about you like they all think they're really smart and they are but you know it's like hey the work isn't there if the money isn't there then nobody cares about you you know and uh and that but that's but it's okay you know failing's okay trying things is the best thing that you can do and sometimes you just have to go into it with the idea that sometimes the results aren't going to be what you think they're going to be, you know? And, uh, and that's, I guess, unfortunately, I, I mean, I know myself personally I've had some experiences where my problem is so similar to Mark, like I had all these kind of pie in the sky, you know, big blue sky, you know, dreams of how I thought things were going to go when I started some of the things I've done before. And then when I would pitch those to other people, uh, I would just kind of fail to leave out the part of like how long it might take to get there. So I, I could sit and say, "Oh, you know, I could see us taking this to this, and we're going to create this and develop this, and da 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 da." But that could have taken like two years, and when it doesn't happen, in or, it, or or and then we start working on it, and three months later, when it hasn't happened, that the person I'm working with is like, um what happened to all these, you know, ideas and all these, you know, where we were going to go with all this. I'm like, well, yeah, but it's, it's going to take time to get there. And we're kind of just doing this, the two of us. Now, if you have, you know, uh, I don't know, 50 grand that you want to put into, you know, five or six employees that could do this and one could do this and one could do that. Yeah. We could probably get it there a little bit faster, but usually the people I've worked with, it's kind of like building something from nothing, right? It's starting from scratch. And and so, yeah, so that's where I've gotten myself into trouble. <laughs> and you can ask my wife. And it's, I'm always, I, I always fail to say that. Well, this could take this long. Now, my newest thing that I've been doing with uh, an online therapy company I'm working on building up, I've been from the beginning, I've started, I've said, listen, this is going to take time. It's going to be more work than we probably think it is, even though really this is all we have to do. We have like two things we have to do. We have to meet these kind of people up with these people, and we have to find people who want to do it. That's it. It's really not that hard, but it's going to take time. Right. And so I've been very like straightforward with my other partner about it and whatever. But anyway, yeah, that's uh, unfortunately how it goes sometimes. I don't know. I think you kind of made an interesting point where, well, so each couple of years you had to literally change your strategy or pivot. That's kind of what entrepreneurs do constantly because our world changes on us so quickly Mm -hmm. that we can't just expect to be this hot stuff all the time or else we'll go bankrupt. So when the market changes, we have to pivot. If we don't, kind of, it's a we're done. Did you ever have the idea, Mark, while you were doing all of this, of like I should try and have multiple revenue things so that if one of them falls through, then I can have this other one to fall. Did you Did you ever have any? Did you ever like try and do multiple things at once, or did you always kind of just focus on the one thing at a time?
1: We we've, we have done both. So from 2006 launching up until 2016, the first 10 years, mm-hmm. uh, we focused solely on, on video content. Okay. So I say that because when I started, video was like we weren't, I wasn't good enough to be making commercials or advertising, right? That went to ad agencies even mm-hmm. back then. Mm-hmm. So mainly what I was doing was like internal communications, corporate videos, you know, a CEO giving a message to a team, okay. someone's retirement party, like, like corporate video. Mm-hmm. But when we got better, corporate video became communications and communications became marketing and marketing became advertising. As social started to take off um, uh, and, and video started to commoditize, uh, big agencies were all going through all their own issues. They were coming down market. We were going up market. And by 2015, 2016, we're doing national television commercial campaigns. We are, uh, we're sitting at a boardroom table pitching to be the agency of record for this huge international insurance company against like, it's me and my free, my freelance creative director and a few team members. And we're only a team of like 12 people at the time. And, and the other people pitching like flew up people from New York and like flew them in and like are part of like Omnicom, which is one of the biggest like conglomerate uh, companies there is for, for advertising. And so we just didn't, we just were like, we kept bumping up against we're scrappy and we're technical and we have great value for money and we work really, really quick in this market and we are super, super ambitious. So we'll also push and our value prop is we're not your agency of record. So, so guess what? When your agency of record, when, when someone on your team comes to you and says, Hey, I think we should do this and whatever this is makes no sense, (laughs) they don't want to risk the entire contract to tell that person that this thing makes no sense. They'll just go ahead and do it. They'll produce lots of stuff that doesn't make sense because they don't want to risk the whole contract. Our value prop is we're not on contract with you. You don't like us. We don't do good work. You don't like our approach. You don't ever hire us again. We are not losing anything by telling you that this is not going to work, but here's what will work. Mm-hmm. And some people liked that approach and <laughs> some people did not. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question, did we have to diversify? By 2016, part of what really bothered me in the company is we were a project-based revenue source. Mm-hmm. So so someone would come and they'd say, I have 50 grand for a project or I have 10 grand or I have 250 grand. And we would we would work a certain number of hours, a certain number of weeks, a certain number of months on that project. We would deliver it and off they would go. And if they were a really big company, they would come back to us and say, we have a second project or a third, or with some of our best clients, we may be working on 30 or 40 clients or 30, 40 projects a year with them. So different departments, different things. So we could retain the the, the client, Mm -hmm. every single budget, every single dollar, every year had to be replaced. There was no recurring revenue in my business. That's tough. Now, that really, that really bothered me at a certain point because mm-hmm. um, you're, you're continually refilling the bucket. Mm-hmm. You're continually keeping the machine fed, mm-hmm. being payroll. You know, I, I had seven-figure payroll at this point. So I have to keep the machine fed. I have to keep payroll going. I have to keep the projects going, and I have to find these projects. And so you're bringing on a lot of new clients where you're constantly teaching them how to work with you over and over and over again. You're constantly educating them. Or you have existing clients, and, and frankly... The longer you hold on to a client and the more work you do with them, the higher the likelihood is you're going to lose that client by pissing them off somehow. Like, oh, that's just it's just human nature. Right. If if you're working on 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 30 different projects with different departments of the same company with different personalities and some of them are big and some of them are small and some of them are long and some of them are short, like eventually you're going something's going to go wrong. I see. And. And Sally in this department is going to tell your greatest client that you somehow upset them and it, and it might put the whole relationship at risk. I the see. very thing <laughs> that the agency of records don't want to do, right? They don't want to lose it. Right. So I started saying, like, how can I bring in recurring revenue into my business? Like, mm-hmm. how can I bring in extra services? How can we take our, our current client base? And and many people do this, right? Like, if you think about a pyramid, at the top of that pyramid for, for our listeners, at the top of the pyramid you have a small group of clients. Let's imagine you have 10 clients there. Okay. And if you sell those 10 clients one thing, you don't have a very much of a pyramid. It's it's now like a pillar. It's a, it's a tower, right? right? You're selling those 10 clients that one thing. It's narrow. Yep. But if you could sell them more things, you could widen that base. Mm-hmm. And now you have new services. You don't have the same marketing costs because they're not cold. You're going to your existing customers and you're right. offering them more services. It makes... It makes total sense right? from a sales point of view. Uh, I didn't realize a few things. One, when you start to offer more services, you move from being a specialized model to a generalized model. Mm-hmm. And that makes your offering a little less compelling because why would they pick you over other people? Well, they know you. So that's cool for your right. existing customers. Now, the next thing it introduces is more complexity, more complexity into your business. When you only offer one service or one thing over and over and over and over again, you're going to become very good at it very quickly. Right. When you become good at something very quickly, which is why I always now, and we've returned, but I, having stepped into the generalist model, I now encourage everyone on earth to become a specialist. Because when you can do one thing, it feels limiting. But when you do one thing over and over and over again, you're going to fix the system faster. You're going to notice holes. You're going to IDA quicker. You're going to you're going to you're going to invest more in the areas. You're going to do more R and D. People will think, "Who do I turn to for this one service?" Oh, it's that person—the person where they only do this. Right. And so, what I didn't realize is when we started to generalize to get the recurring revenue, we actually eroded um, our profit centers. So, video work was our highest profit work, but people started doing lower profit work with us that was more complicated, that had higher delivery costs. And because they started doing these new things still with us, they thought, well, we're working with Fanta. And they would start to put on hold their video projects, which mm. was our profit center. Mm-hmm. So guess what? We cannibalized our own clients. And because we were generalists, there was it was less compelling. Uh-huh. We were not the specialists we used to be, which means we made more mistakes. As we made more mistakes, we pissed people off a lot more. Right. And when we pissed people off a lot more, we started to ruin our name. And so this was good and bad. It was good because I learned a lot about performance-based marketing and other things. I learned a lot about different business models. Um, it was bad because it, it cost us a few years of making a lot of mistakes. Uh, and it was good because when the pandemic hit in 2020, um, 30% of our revenue at the time was was recurring revenue. 70% was project-based work. So it, it took me... 17, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. It took me three or four years just to get the recurring revenue to 30% of our revenue. But when COVID hit and all of our production resources had to shut down and when all of our projects, we had half a million dollars of project get put on hold on one day. That 30% recurring revenue
0: <laughs> came in real <laughs> that nice. Helped,
1: <laughs> that helped carry us through yeah. that that bleak period. Yeah, But I... I will just cap off the story by saying by the end of the pandemic, I realized specialist model is where we should be single product, single service is where we should be only doing project-based work is where we should be. Interesting. And so by, so by the end of the pandemic, we actually (laughs) let go of all those recurring revenue clients. We let go of the team. We downsized, we scaled everything back because all of the things I was looking for in the generalist model in this, like let's do a lot of different things, that pyramid, Mm -hmm. that pyramid that's really narrow at the top and really wide at the bottom. We're now flipping that. We now want to have a very wide top of the pyramid. Well, what does that mean? It means that we have a lot of different types of people we work with, but we only give them one thing. And that one thing we give them, we, we, we better yeah. be amazing at yeah. and we will be amazing at it because it's all we do. Yeah. If we spend all day, every day doing this one thing over and over and over again over the course of the year, if I can do this 30 times over one year or a hundred times or a thousand times in one year, I'm going to be better than trying to learn five different things over the course of three years, yep. especially since we've already mentioned that the market shifts every two or three years and you got to change. right. Right.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I remember. So, uh, so I've listened to uh, Tim Ferriss before. He has quite a different take on it because he's all about being a a jack of all trades, right? He says, don't specialize, be a jack of all trades. And so it's interesting to hear your perspective on it. And I guess,
1: hold on, is that Tim Ferriss or is that the the companies that he owns? Because Uh, here's the other thing we got to keep in mind, right? The company we own is an asset. Yes, that's I, right. I started off by saying like, hey, I'm a professional host and I, I host events and I do this and I, what do you do? And it's hard to explain. Right. But Phantom Media, the the, the the company, the the incorporated asset that I am the sole shareholder of, that mm-hmm. I am the founder of, mm-hmm. I have been a specialist in it. We have been um, generalists. We have tried new services. We've tried to build up teams. We've done everything. I've taken that asset back to being a specialist with a really narrow focus. And guess yeah. what, if I want to taste something else, I will create a second company, a third company, a fourth company, I'll acquire a business, I will do whatever I want to do to fill out my portfolio, Right. just like uh, just like my hobbies and the things that I do on the side as a speaker, as a mentor or whatever it is, not is, doesn't have to be baked into that company. Mm-hmm. And so Tim Ferriss is probably right, like taste the things and do things and generalize and yes. learn a lot of things. But that's you, the person, the person, is not necessarily the asset that you're building.
0: Right. Whoops. Yeah. And, and that's what I was gonna say. I think when it comes to the philosophy of life, right, I think being interested in lots of things is a good thing. Right. But yeah, like you said, when it comes to when it comes to business and it comes to generating money, the more that the better you are at at one focused thing. Yeah, I agree. I think I think you're much better off that way for sure. It's
1: scary as hell though, but I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> right. Cause, cause then, cause this is where the courage comes in from the bio you read, right? Like we That's need courage right. to go all in on ourselves. That's right. How much courage does it take to say, I am only going to do one thing. And when people come to you with money in hand and they say, Hey, can you help me? We were a video company, right? Video. Can you help me build a website? Nope. And we go, and they have money and we right. go, no, we can't, yeah. but we can help you make a video. And they go, yeah,
0: I don't need I that. Don't really a video. Yeah.
1: <laughs> And you're like, okay. So, so meanwhile, you're like, and, and then you're thinking in the back of your mind, I'm turning away money, I'm turning away projects, I'm turning away customers. Right. Um, meanwhile, I have no business of the type of business that I want right now. What am I doing? Am but I, I have bills coming in. Responsible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I have bills but coming in. I need to pay them. But yeah.
1: It takes courage to go all in, all yeah. in. And the people that you look up to, the people I look up to, the people who've made the biggest impact have gone all in on something they don't sit on the fence they don't tip their toe in they don't try they go all in on a thing yeah and that is what propels them and makes them so different and yet me and you and all of us were like well what if we just try it out
0: dabble in it a little (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's true well great great points um this has been fantastic. Um, tell tell us real quick. Uh, we got a few minutes left here. Tell us what uh, wh- where people can find you if they want to they want to hire you and your company to do something for them, or if they're you know interested in speaking with you about anything. T- tell us where they can find you at and and kind of what your offer is there or
1: what you for offer sure. there. If 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 you want to learn more about what we do as an agency, you know we today we help speakers, uh, coaches, consultants, and entrepreneurs. I I basically say if if making money is based on you Mm -hmm. and you're not making the money you wanna make or you're not growing as fast as you wanna grow, you have to level yourself up. And so we help people do that because we have this brand strategy process that, that frankly is unlike anything else on the market. We spend a lot of time helping you clarify your goals and figure out who you are as a brand, your voice, your perspective, your experiences, what matters. Nice. And so we we work to discover that and then we distill what really matters and define it. We have extremely advanced market research data. Uh, we're tracking 250 million Americans, a billion devices, a trillion daily touch points where we can figure out exactly exactly what your customer audiences or prospects or targets are looking for. Wow. What do they care about? What do they fear? What are their desires? Yep. Where are they going? What what matters most? And nice. then we do competitive intel. So once you understand who you are, once you understand what your customer or prospect is really looking for, and you understand what your competitors are or are not doing, the overlap of you and your customers and what your competitors aren't doing, that is your unique uh, unique brand, your unique selling proposition. What That's that's what makes you unique. Yes. And so if you want to learn more about that, you can have, head over to Fanta.com. That's P-H-A-N-T-A.com. If you want to connect with me, you can just go over to Instagram at Mark Drager. Send me a DM. I'd love to connect with you and chat with you. Or if you want to check out my podcast, We Do Hard Things, head over to YouTube. It's at Mark Drager over there as well. All right.
0: Fantastic. We'll uh, we'll link to all that in the show notes so that people don't have to try and type them in. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's a pain. Um, But gosh, thanks so much, Mark, for being on our show today. And uh, wonderful, wonderful words of wisdom to follow here from Mark today. Um, Thanks for thanks for taking your time again. And uh, we will see you on our next episode. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you found value in it, please share it with someone you know who is looking for ways to generate extra income. New episodes come out every Friday. If you want to know the second they are available, hit that subscribe button and leave us a review about how today's episode will increase your cash flow or get in touch with us on our website at doyoucashflow.com.